Turn with me tonight in your Bible to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And we're going to read from the verse 16. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. You find the place? Luke 4, verse 16. Let's hear the word of the Lord. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bare him witness, and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth, and they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also hear in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you for truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elias the prophet, and none of them was cleansed saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him unto the brow of the hill where on their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way, and came down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath day, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil, and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him, and hurt him not. And they were all amazed, and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits. 
and they come out of him. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 37. And we pray God will stamp those own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text tonight is really taken from Luke chapter 4, verses 31 to 37. And my subject this evening is the deliverance of a demon-possessed man. Now the Bible tells us here that the Lord Jesus came to Capernaum in northern Galilee and on certain Sabbath days he entered into the synagogue and began to preach and teach there. It says in verse 31, And came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. Now this synagogue was a very special place for worship. It was built by one of the Roman centurions that the Lord Jesus had been involved in in bringing about salvation and deliverance for his house. This was the very same synagogue where Jairus would have preached and taught the word of God. He was the leader. So this synagogue was a most interesting place and I have no doubt that when the Lord Jesus visited if these men were there and in the vicinity no doubt they were part of the congregation that gathered to hear Christ preach and teach so the Lord Jesus received a very warm reception and we're told here in the Bible and they were astonished at his doctrine for his word was with power in other words, he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. They were used to the scribes, reading from the law, giving a few utterances, and no doubt talking about Rabbi so-and-so says this, and Rabbi so-and-so's interpretation, and another rabbi, well, he contradicts this rabbi, but listen to him, be, and, and so on and on it went. But when the Lord Jesus preached, they had not heard preaching like this before. The people sat and listened. They were wide-eyed. They were open-mouthed. And there wasn't long into the preaching when there was a chilling interruption in the service. If you look at verse 33, it says that in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. There was a demon-possessed man in the congregation. And while the Lord Jesus preached, the power of the word became a felt reality uh, to this particular man, and it drew a, a violent reaction from him. He wasn't being energized by a legion of devils. He, he was just a man possessed with one demon. And yet the power of the word of God as it was preached caused this man to cry out, let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? And now the Lord Jesus replied to this man, and this is what he said, hold thy peace. Or as Martin Luther interpreted Shut up and come out of him. And the Bible tells us, and 
when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. And as the event unfolded, the members of the congregation were all amazed. They were astonished. They spake among themselves. What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out of him. And the result was that the fame of the Lord Jesus spread abroad. Everybody was talking about it. And they were talking, oh, did, did you hear about the deliverance of the demon-possessed man in the synagogue at Capernaum? No, no, it didn't. Oh, well, I better tell you what happened. You see, and, and the, the, the teaching of the Bible is that the case of this um, demon-possessed man and his deliverance is a wonderful picture of the power of the gospel to cure and deliver sin-sick souls to the glory of God. I want you to notice a few things tonight as we think about the, the cure of this demon-possessed man. I want you to think, first of all, of the direction that Christ travelled. If you look at verse 31, it says, Anne came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. Now, we'll pause there. Think of these words, and came down. Where did the Lord Jesus come from? The Lord Jesus, according to the context, was in the town of Nazareth. And in the town of Nazareth, he was also preaching there on the Sabbath days. And he didn't have a good reception. In that particular Lord's day, he, he, he spoke about the widow of Zarephath. He spoke about the healing of Naaman the leper. And uh, they didn't receive the word with warmth and joy. They, they were full of wrath. They, they, they rose up and thrust the Lord Jesus out of the city. They wanted to throw him off a cliff. It was full of wrath. They received the word, not full of warmth. The Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus passed through the midst of them and went on his way. And where did he come to? Verse 31. And came down to Capernaum. You see, that was true literally. It was true topographically and, and true as far as the geography and the terrain of the countryside is concerned. Because if you were in the town of Nazareth and wanted to go to Capernaum, you'd got to come down from Nazareth to Capernaum. Capernaum was on a lower level. Nazareth was higher up. I was thinking, Anne came down. Isn't that a picture of the Lord Jesus in a sense? Remember, he came down from heaven. The Lord Jesus came from the bosom of the Father to the womb of the Virgin Mary. The Lord Jesus came down from celestial glory to this old sinful world from the highest height. To the lowest depth, down from his glory, down from his throne, to the very manger in Bethlehem, down from a, a sinless place where he was adored and worshipped by the angels, to a sinful place, a place of depravity, a place of lawlessness. And let's remember who the Lord Jesus is. You see, he's not just a good man. The Bible tells us he went about doing good, and he did loads of good things in his day and generation. He was not just a great man that did many miracles. And by the way, there's only about 35 miracles recorded for us in the Bible that the Lord Jesus actually did. 
But he did hundreds of miracles. I told the children, he probably did thousands of miracles. And that's no exaggeration. But there's only 35 recorded in the Bible for us, for our instruction and for our learning. He was also a gracious man. In fact, the people said, never a man speak like this man. And while that's true, he was a good man, a great man, a gracious man. Let's remember at the heart of the biblical revelation of Christ, he's the God man. You see, this demon knew who he was. This demon could say, I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. Doesn't the Bible say, 1 Timothy 3 and 16, great is the mystery of godliness, God was manifest in the flesh. And I want to tell you tonight, that's very important that we grasp hold of that. It's very important that we individually and as a church hold on to the the doctrine of the eternal sonship of Jesus Christ and the doctrine of his incarnation. The Lord Jesus is truly and fully God. There never was a time when he was not the only begotten Son of God. He was begotten of the Father, not made. And in fact, there's nine explicit references in the Bible where he is called God. And that's one of the proofs of the deity of Christ. There's about five proofs for the deity of Christ. And maybe sometime we'll preach a sermon on the deity of Christ and and deal with that. It may take two sermons. but, But here's one of them. There's divine names given to Christ. And there's nine specific references where he's explicitly called God. And that, of course, cannot easily be set aside. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, and you think of the the direction that Christ travelled, he came down to Capernaum. Notice that he learned. Notice on that day, there's a clear case of demon possession here in the synagogue. The devil has taken over a man, body and will and and mind. It's as if the devil was trying to ape the Son of God. It's as if the devil was manifest in human flesh. It's as if the devil had took over a body. And I ask myself the question, in the days of Christ, when he was God manifest in the flesh, was the devil trying to ape the Son of God? By taking over the body of a man to control him. The man, of course, needed deliverance. He needed help. And yet that's the very reason why the Lord Jesus left heaven. He knew exactly the kind of people that that he would come to seek and to save. The Bible tells us, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. You think of a people tonight that say there is no God. A people who have no time for the things of God. A a, a people who have no cognizance or knowledge, even of their sin. A a people who have no love for the things of God. No no hunger or or, or thirst for righteousness. Isn't it amazing that we live in a generation where this is the norm as people live out their lives? People can live out their lives and they have time for ritual and time for ceremony and they, they, they can even go to the house of God and they, they can engage in the uh, rituals of worship and they can have a little bit of religion. But they've never been born again of the Spirit. 
They've never been savingly joined to Christ. They've never been made to face up to their sin or their need of their soul or their need of a saviour. And yet here's the Lord Jesus coming down to Capernaum and in this place there's a man who needs deliverance and help because he's demon-possessed. And of course we believe the Lord Jesus came into the world to save the atheist, to save the drunkard, to save the wife-beater, to save the immoral man or woman, to save the gambler, to save the agnostic, to, to save the drug addict, to save the, 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 the debt-laden, to, to, to save those with a guilty conscience. Timothy was told by Paul, and this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He came to save. The Bible tells us in Galatians 4 and 4, speaking of the Lord Jesus, um, that, that he was born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And we can thank God tonight for the Lord Jesus. We, we should thank God for the time that he came down, that, that he came down to this earth, and he came down as the only redeemer of God's elect. And, and you know, he came down to see and to save a people. No one else cared. No one else loved or had any regard or, or had a plan to save a, a lost, fallen world. And yet, where's the Lord Jesus? He's in this synagogue in Capernaum, and there's a man there, a man found among the, the, the worshippers of God, and he needs deliverance. And that was the direction that the Lord Jesus travelled. I, I want you to notice something else very quickly. The doctrine that Christ taught. The, the Bible tells us there in verse 32, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Now, there's two things here I want you to understand. I want you to think of the power of the Scriptures. The, the Bible tells us there, for his word was with power. We were singing tonight, there's a book that comes to me from one who speak of old, who calls with shepherd voice the flock, that wanders from the fold. The book called the Bible, Be Instructed Before Leaving Earth, is, is God's book. It's a God-breathed book. The Bible tells us for all scriptures, give my inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. God's word, remember, lives and abides forever. This is a living and eternal book. This is the most powerful book in the world. Remember what the, the Apostle Paul writing to the believers in his day, Hebrews chapter 4 said of the scriptures, Hebrews 4 and verse 12, for the word of God is what? Quick. That word quick means alive. And powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The preaching of the word of God is not a dry, boring exercise. You see, I believe there's no such thing as, as dry doctrine. We, we live in a day when uh, people tell us, well, we don't want doctrine. And, and how many churches, of course, don't want doctrine and why? Oh, it's dry and it's boring or, or it's divisive. 
Now, of course, you know me. I have nothing against singers coming to the church. I have nothing against testimonies. I have nothing against preaching a topical message. I've done that myself. But what must have central in our acts of worship is the preaching of the word of God. Because we believe in the infallibility of the Holy Scriptures, in the inerrancy of the Scriptures, in the sufficiency and the authority and the clarity of the Holy Scriptures. Let, let the Scriptures be taught. Let, let the Scriptures be read. What is theology? It's a big word, isn't it? it? scares a lot of people. Think, oh, well, that's to do with the Bible college. Well, well, theology is really just the science of God. And surely there's nothing more important than understanding who God is and what God is like and what God has done. And the Bible, of course, in the introduction, introduces us to God. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. We live in a day when there's a lack of biblical doctrine taught among even God's people. Many are vulnerable and open to false teaching. Uh, when the cults knock on the door, we can't really answer them. Uh, and, of course, we can easily listen to the lies of the devil. Uh, and we have no answer to their, their queries when they put to them. Uh, and, and many are taken in. And many are taken in by, by every form of religion and every form of experience that men purport to have. But when the Lord Jesus came to the synagogue that day, here was the doctrine that he taught. It was the doctrine of the scriptures, for his word was with power. And they were astonished, not apathetic. Unlike, unlike the people in Nazareth. And they loved the word. They didn't loathe it. And of course I believe tonight that one of the great needs in Northern Ireland is the word of God preached in power. The power of the word being a felt reality. God has spoken. And you know if you get saints and sinners in a meeting... And God's at work. And God has spoken. And the fear of God comes upon them. And there's an awareness of sin. And there's the realization of God's soul. And a need to be saved. And when the call of repentance is given. Then there's a, there's a responding. Isn't that what happened in Port of Oge? Dr. Paisley was there preaching. Remember Tommy Gilbert came and told us about it. And uh, somebody shouted up in the meeting, I want to get saved, Dr. Paisley. And he said to the Reverend Park, would, would you go and lead that man to the Lord? And as he was going down, another woman shouted, I want to get saved too, Dr. Paisley. He says to Mrs. Park, where are you, dear? You go and lead that woman. And I'm sure there was loads of souls that Sunday afternoon. He was to preach again in the martyrs. And he was to eating fish for his tea. And the doorbell kept ringing. It's Dr. Paisley here. I want to get saved. And then the clerk of session come and said to them, you better come to the church. There's a whole crowd here. We weren't supposed to have a meeting. But there's people who wants to hear the word of God. You see, that's the power of the scriptures. God has spoken. And that's a gripping reality. Notice something else very quickly. There's the power of the spirit. If you look at the context here, Luke 4 verse 14. And I only noticed this. And this is what gripped my attention. I was preparing a wee study on the miracles of Jesus for the Sunday school today. And this miracle was also in the mind. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. The power of the Spirit. 
That's why he taught them, according to Luke one twenty two, as having authority and not as the scribes. He, he came in the power of the Spirit. And you know, when you pray for me and pray for the preachers in the free church and pray for the preachers of the gospel, you should pray that preachers will be gripped not only with the power of the Scriptures, but that they'll come in the power of the Spirit. Because when the preaching is in the power of the scriptures and in the power of the spirit, then we'll begin to see things happen. Then we'll see a reaction. The Lord Jesus wasn't a clone. He wasn't a clone of the scribes. The scribes all came the same way, probably dressed the same way, probably had the same tone of voice, used the same kind of language. They, 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 they went on about Rabbi so-and-so and Rabbi so-and-so and Rabbi so-and-so and the people were just sitting there uh, probably lost in their mind uh, as to which Rabbi said what. The fire had gone out. The Lord Jesus comes. And here's the doctrine that he taught and it's centered in the power of the scriptures and in the power of the spirit and that's what we need. And we need to rediscover that. I've said before and I say it Publicly, we must pray again for our Bible college and pray for our students as it recommences this term. And of course, there's a big danger in going to Bible college. <coughs> Men and women who come in with a bit of passion and, uh, and a bit of power can very easily lose their fire and lose their zeal. Bible college is probably the most easiest place to lose out with God. Bible College teaches you to, at least encourages you to talk properly and maybe preach for 20 or 25 minutes and uh, attempts to make you more polished and cultured and, and, and organized. And yet we can have every key ingredient that's necessary to make a man a preacher. But here's the real ingredient. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. And when I was in the faith mission, I remember the late Colin Packham saying about the Negro preacher. When he thought about preaching on Sunday, this is what he said. I read myself full. I praise myself hot. I thinks myself clear. And I preach myself tired. And you know what I thought of that? And I've thought on it for well over 30 years. That goes to the right heart of a man who wants to preach the power of the scriptures. That, that God speaks through the word. And does so in the power of the spirit. Notice thirdly and quickly the disturbance that was terrible. Could you imagine the Lord Jesus preaching the power of the scriptures and the power of the spirit and all of a sudden there's an interruption. What does this man say? Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. See, the devil's mad. And I want to tell you when the power of the scriptures becomes a felt reality and people know God has spoken and it's applied by the power of the spirit, the devil will be mad and the devil will do all in his power to hinder the work of God in the church. Here's the Lord Jesus and he's confronted with this terrible disturbance. This demon-possessed man stands as a picture of a, a, an unbeliever. This demon-possessed man's a child of the wicked one who's under the control of the devil. And yet every unsaved person without Christ is also of the wicked one. Remember the Lord Jesus said in John 8, 44, Ye are of your father, the devil. 
And every unsaved person lives under the, the power and the control of the God of this world. And he sees to it that their minds are blinded to the truth of the gospel. And they live in a state of confusion in the kingdom of spiritual darkness. If you're not a true believer tonight, you might protest and say, but I have nothing to do with the devil. And I'm not demon-possessed. <coughs> and we thank God for that. And you may not be demon-possessed. But I want to tell you there's a resemblance. Just this man was off the wicked one. He was under the control of the God of this world. His mind was blinded to the truth. He, he lived in, in, in the kingdom of spiritual darkness. And yet when the word of God was preached, there was a reaction. And I wonder tonight, as in past nights, has there been a reaction in your heart and mind? Your blind mind has been awakened. And your eyes spiritually have begun to open. And you've heard the voice of God to your soul. And you've been among the worshippers of God. And the Lord Jesus is here. And he wants to save you. Have you been brought under conviction? Have you heard the voice of the Son of God calling you to repentance and faith to his bleeding and wounded side? The only thing that can help you tonight is the gospel. Have you been disturbed by the gospel? Have you been mad at the preacher? Why have you been mad? Because God is speaking. And you know that what you've been told is right. Notice something in closing. The deliverance that was trustworthy. The Lord Jesus said to him in verse 35, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And as I've said, that literally means um, shut up. Uh, that's how Martin Luther uh, interpreted it. Or, or could literally read, be muzzled. Um, see, the Lord Jesus didn't mess about. The Lord Jesus didn't mince his words. The, the Lord Jesus was speaking truthfully. He was instructing the devil to be silent in his presence. And those words hold thy peace. They're very important. Remember, this man made a disturbance. And you think of the storm in the Sea of Galilee. Where, where there was a great disturbance and the Lord Jesus was asleep in the boat and the disciples woke him for fear of losing their lives and he stood up and what did he say? Peace be still. He has power to still the storm. And if you're in a storm tonight, he has power to still it. But he has also power to save. And he could say to the demon, shut up. Not another word. And this man, he said to the demon, come out of him. And this man was gloriously delivered. Do you know there's none too bad tonight for Jesus Christ? The Lord Jesus came into the world to redeem sinners. And if you tonight want to be saved, you hold up your hands and say, Lord, save me, I perish like Peter. The Lord Jesus can reach down and save you. See, see, the Lord Jesus hears and answers prayer. Does the Bible say, whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved? And it's as simple as that. And of course, if that's the first prayer that the Lord Jesus hears and answers for you, then that gives you encouragement then to go and pray about other things. There is a comfort here. There's a deliverance that was trustworthy. 
the Lord Jesus' power over the devil. He can say to the devil, release, and the devil must let go. He can say to the devil, be silent, and the devil must hold his peace. Not utter a word, because he's under the authority of the Lord Jesus. I wonder tonight, is there one amongst us, like there was one in this congregation among the worshippers, that needs to be saved. And only Christ can save. And what I say tonight is this, if you want to be saved, you can be. And the onus is on you to go and ask, to go and call, to trust Christ. That's what faith is, forsaking all. I take him. And if you take him tonight, he'll be yours and yours for all eternity. May the Lord bless these few words to our hearts.